Okay, we're going to begin Perek Yudches and Malach and Beis. Before we do that, the last comment we had last week in the Shir, which I was discussing with Sadiq afterwards, with the Hasna, so I just want to share it with the Elam. Uh, we were trying to figure out what lions stopped coming to eat the locals who were foreigners and became locals. And we had suggested in Sadiq, even reminded us about the possibility of Shutfus for Goyim, maybe it's not as bad, and perhaps that's why it was an upgrade for them, which, as I mentioned, is a possibility. What bothers me about the Pshat is that, uh, number one, Shutfus itself is a machlekes, when they were focusing on Christianity, Catholics, all the Chuvas are written, Protestant Reformation was in which year, approximately? When? Oh, that, that early? Okay. So um, maybe some of the later Chubas were also discussing that. I think most of Europe was still uh, Catholic. It might make a difference. It depends where it was. Okay, they were fighting with each other. So that's one machlik is whether they believe in God and they held themselves to be monotheistic and they just had a problem with the mathematics. One equals three and which for us, again, is strictly about Azar. And for them, it was a machlik, it's the and the Pesach Tshuva, the Pratna Ramah. What I mentioned to Tzadik later on was the fact that I'm not really convinced that this is even shayach to that machlikis. Because if you're Kusim, who are brought in, and you have 365 Avodah all separate, clear of with idols, and they bow down, and then you add another god, which... The Emes is the only God, but they looked at it as now it's 366, unfortunately. And they recognize it as the God of the land, the local God. I don't know if that's just Shutfis. That might be hardcore of Arazar with another one added to the list, in which case nobody holds that they're putter from that, which would just beg the question now. So why the lions stop eating them? So, it's the only terrorist we have. I'm just, uh, two things bothering me about the terrorists. Number one, it's subject to this machlekes. Number two, I don't even know if it's subject to this machlekes. It might be everybody's agreeing to the Nebuhuda that that's not shutva. They're not claiming to be monotheistic and they just have a couple of parts therein or thereof. It's uh, separate of Arazaras and they, um, they had no problem with that. All the, if you don't say that, then the Greeks and the Romans and all the other ancient of the Avodazaras, and according to the Piscachuva, Reading of the Ramas, and none of them were ever in Avodazar, they were all shut. That's not a very uh, defendable position. So, if I'm right about that, then we're back to square one. Why the lions stop eating them? Then you have to say, well, they were trying, and the rabbi they sent, they didn't know he was uh, a reconstructionist, they didn't know that he uh, didn't really understand uh, what was going on, and that's why they were exiled in the first place, because he didn't know too much about the Messiah. And they were trying their best. If you say that, they're a Tinshanishba, before anyway. So then why were the lions eating them? So you're saying, well, it's different because when they came they were a pure Tinishanishba. Now they're really trying to please the God of the land. They're really trying to upgrade. Okay. They didn't do much of an upgrade though. So those are the those are the choices and it's it's a, it's a pretty deep problem. I just, the Matthias was, it seems the lions did stop coming, and there has to be some plausible explanation. The question is, is it answer number one or answer number two or something we haven't thought of yet? So we'll leave that as a bit of a tzarachian as we end the parak and begin parak yuches. Shraga, you look like you had a question mark over your head, no? Okay.
Now, the good news. We don't have too much of that in these Prokim. So it's uh, my pleasure to introduce Perik uh, Ches. Bad news is it's not really necessarily Perik Ches. This number was given out to debate the church who claimed they were monotheistic. And these Prokim were not really uh, part of our Messiah, but what we call Perik Ches. Vahi Vishnas Sholosh Loshea Benela, Melech Yisrael. Remember, he's the king who was an Abed of Azara, but opened up the floodgates and allowed the Eden to go back to Yehuda if they wanted, and not too many people took them up on it, which is why they all went into Gullus afterwards. I'd like to say this is the most incredible uh, zigzag, which is the expression, which is not the best word to use over here, but in terms of Rosh HaTzadik, Rosh HaTzadik, it's incredible, but it's not even the most extreme yet. The date might be the most extreme, but it's not the one uh, historically we're going to have uh, by the time we finish Malachim Beis. And uh, he takes over, and he is a genuine Tzadik Yisait And the expression Tzadik Yisait is Tzadik Yisait He's holding up the world, and he will be holding up the world. Will uh, improve the standing in Ruchnius of Klai Yisrael to an incredible degree and save them. He will be. I don't want to cheapen the word or cheapen the statue of Chizkiyahu Amelach. Uh, he's a hero in the true sense of the word. He understands the root of the problem of Klai Yisrael is not the armaments, not the army, not the strategic alliances, or lack thereof. It's learning, and he's going to have the phenomenal, huge chiddush which. Nobody ever had before or since. And that is, he's going to put learning on a pedestal by, I don't want to say by hook or by crook, give me a better expression, um, whether you like it or not. And he is the famous uh, innovation that he made the announcement, I guess the first day, I guess he's the only one to ever make a, a more audacious flyer than Shragi. Uh, Shrag is pretty good. You know, the same uh, paragraph of Chizkiyo on Lahavdol. Shrag is a tzaddik, but Chizkiyo uh, Melech. He didn't say uh, we're having the following program with uh, rewards and incentives, and if young enough dollar bills and chont. He said all of the above, and he also said there's a guy at the back with a big sword, and if you don't come to Night Seder, we're going to find you, and if you leave Night Seder early, we're going to kill you. Can't put it any other way. You'll say, wait a second, Shragi, don't try this in real time. That's not going to be, uh, we're going to get a bad name. But it's a Halo Dover who is the first king to do this. Why? It worked incredibly, incredibly well. A phenomenal success. Everybody was there, Steigen. People, as a matter of fact, didn't want to take a risk. They came early. Came early, left late. Didn't want to take any chance. Imagine if your watch is not synchronized with the big guy in the back of the sword, and he might not ask you to explain. So, um, since when is Tamatera Yehar Vayavar? Technically, it's not even the Tamatari Kinegat Kulam. He made it uh, like Dina Machusadina, even though it's a halacha anyway, you gotta learn as much as you can, because he understood that it's Sakonis Nefashis. If we don't shape up in a serious way, so you'll say, well, the problem was Avodazara and Bamas and other things. I was learning. The answer is, of course, the problem is Avodazara. But all the problems stem from the fact that you're not learning. If you're learning, you would know what the din is, and you'd also become a ben through and through, and you'd have shifas for Ruchnius, and you would improve. 
It's all, there are very few people. I know you're all going to ask about the guy you knew who was smoking in Slobodka and writing over the Shirem on Shabbos, Rahman There were one or two guys like that, and they were there for the intellectual stimulation. And the reason the altar didn't throw them out, this is very important historically, it's because he held, and most of the time this is how it came out, he held the Torah is going to be Machsa and Lemutuv, and if he stays in learning, it's just a question of when, not a question of if. It's very, very powerful you say it is. It always works. Like a person has large enough Yetzirah and he wants to not feel guilty, he'll come up with whatever strange excuses that he will come up with to explain why he's not doing mitzvahs. But ultimately, if a person's really in learning, uh, it's going to bring him back and keep him in or bring him back. And there's always something to go back to for a person who has a lot of learning under his belt. Uh, there were even people who say what you want about them, who learned this Slobodka, Mr. Jarishaw, you'll know who I'm referring to, who, uh, who uh, really made some serious mistakes. Even he probably remained, uh, you know, at least uh, on a personal level, the Shemitah admits that he was, and there was some Tamidi Slabatka who still kept in contact with him because of that. They held him, he's still holding learning, and he's smart. You can't give up on him. They don't give up on anybody, even if they're not holding learning. But the aside, the Chizki understood over here that the problem is not the Avodah The problem is not the Bumas. The, pro- the problem is that the people are not B'nai Teirah and they're not learning and they're not saturated with learning. And if they are and we get them into it, even if we have to force them into it, then Klai Yisrael will merit the Schusim to be protected. And uh, we're about to see one of the greatest Nisim of all time unfold in the coming Prakim where 185,000 troops will die at the gates of Yushalayim. That doesn't happen in a vacuum. And he understood that we have to start preparing and building up the army. Building up the army, he meant learning, 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 learning. He also built up the army. But the army was no match for what Melech Asher is bringing to the table over here. And he knew that, and he's not even really going to try. He's just going to have somebody standing there with a sword. But that's not where the battle's at. And this is true of every battle we fight. Hanukkah is coming. This is the battle of Hanukkah. The Chashmanam understood that if we don't make some serious tikkunim and serious mysterious nefesh on a kutzah shayud and the gzairah shmad and stand up for what's right and do things which were completely against the odds, it's not going to work. Who said they had to do it? The answer is nobody said they had to do it, but somebody had to do it. So yes, he's going to make a morning seder, second seder, night seder, a chayv kaddish, and he's going to drive home the point with his police arm. Hasn't been done since, and uh, well, in America we're not doing it, we live in a democratic society, people have rights and free choice, and he did it, and he's going to save Klai Yisrael, and you're going to say, well, what good is it, we're still going to have a Chorban, the answer is, we're going to have people who are going to survive the Chorban and have a nucleus of Klai Yisrael, because he turned this around. Him, and Yeshua Mel, with a few incredible tzaddikim coming up that will understand that the battery pack here is Ruchnius and learning, and again, maybe it's hyperbole. I don't know if the guy in the back had instructions to kill him on the spot. Maybe he just told him, maybe you want to do one more tesis. Saved his over in 10 minutes. And he had a big sword and he was 6'5", weighed 400 pounds. So, whatever it is, he forced the issue and it worked. Yes? Doesn't that also create the possibility that like, if, if, if it's compulsory, compulsory, but you have people with Kromashkapas can then be armed like you have Shedna who is big yes. big company, he's able to even more charismatic and have interesting question so the answer is you always have your Shevnas if you don't know who Shevna is we'll find out soon enough the later the better a very unsavory character a traitor 
and um, yeah, so you know how to learn, and you're always going to have people like this. David Hadayig and Achitayfel. You're always going to have a, pe- a few people like this in the crowd. The alternative was that there is no way they're going to win this battle, and uh, you'll see in a few psukim, he is coming. Uh, Melech Asher was not satisfied with the Assessor Shvatim, his conquest, he didn't see different Jews, the Assessor Shvatim, Yehuda, they're all Jewish name, and it was Eretz Yisrael, and this small little country in the middle of his conquest was getting in the way, as Eretz Yisrael always does. That's why Hashem put it in the middle of everything. Ben Latay, Ben Lamutov. And uh, Melech Asher was coming, and if he didn't do something drastic to really change the facts in Shemayim, not on the ground, uh, nothing is going to work. Yes, we have uh, Shevnas here. The Yisoid, Rechaim Velazhner, talks about a lot. Even if you never get to 100% Lashma, keep on working on Lashma. You have to have that immersion in Torah, and without that, you can't really internalize anything. The attachment to the Amaritz in the time of Chazal to Torah was the fact that even though all the Gemaras, Sachem, talk about that he would bite a Tamachacham, Rabbi Kiva said that about himself when he was an Amaritz, there was always this contentious relationship out of jealousy and they felt they were missing something and they felt they were looked down upon even though they weren't. Just like today you have not yet from people who always think we think they're not Jewish and we think they're this and all the time. But none of it's true. We'd love for them to come in and we'd love to befriend them and we hold they're just as Jewish and uh, we need to work on things. But that complex, so to speak, that uh, you're going to feel that they're looking down is always there, was always there. And if you can entice them and get them in the door with donuts, chont, dollar bills, or people standing at the back, then that's mitesh l'olishma b'olishma. B'chayim v'olishma chidish is that even if it never gets to 100% l'olishma, that's still okay. As long as you're working on it, you're raising the bar. You can start at 10 and end up when you're 95 or 30. It's also okay. Everybody works, uh, adults have uh, large toys and kids have small toys and Everybody works on their own uh, raising of the bar. Yes? Does this touch, touch upon or like create the, the, where Rebbe Gamaliel got the idea of only being Malami, someone who's yes. a uh, Over there, uh, that's an interesting discussion unto itself. Why Rebbe Gamaliel held, he only let certain people in the best magician. It was very limited and very exclusive. And why they changed that when they uh, voted in, almost by default, Rebbe Lezim and Isaiah, who was young for the job, although quite eminently fit for the job. And all of a sudden, they opened up the floodgates and everybody came in. They had, they had benches, but the quality went down. It depends on the tekufa. And Ragumil felt that there were enough people, even after you put it through the sifting machine, will get enough quantity with the quality we're looking for to fill up the yeshiva and produce the leaders in Gedolim for the next generation. And then they had to read the Sederis, the same reason they used to stand only, and then they started sitting. They put in benches, they started sitting down. That's uh, lowering a madriga. We're so used to that. Who stands for five hours and they learn? But that was the madriga. At the time that Ragnil did that, he was able to do it. And everybody recognized afterwards we didn't have the luxury anymore. Do you, do you um, think the Dagenau's time was very similar? Interestingly enough, uh, we had the Dagen Achitefa who were learning completely Shlodeshma, but there was a lot of learning going on. It's not like Chizkiyah Navi invented, Chizkiyah Melech invented learning. He invented a new way to get people back in because he felt that's what was missing, and he was right. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was always learning. This, again, you have the uh, not yet from, well, now they're from the Elam Edmonds, but all these Apikursim who used to revise history to their liking. 
that uh, this was invented over here, this was a Chamollah All this was around. It wasn't before the Tanam and Abraham. There's plenty of learning going on. There were different Kufas that needed a shot in the arm, and this was one of them. And his father, Achaz, was offered Nisim and Aflos before he put this into place that didn't take up the offer. And now his son, to Achaz's credit to some degree, remember, Achaz had him as bad as he was. It must have been some schus, uh, schus maybe goes back to David and Malach, certainly goes back to David and Malach. But there was schus in Malach's base, David, and they realized that um, this is not going to continue. Again, the backdrop, which we have to understand over here, which is crucial to the understanding, Kleisra lost 90% of their members very recently. You can imagine the depressed state of just the psychology of it. Ashur had invaded the land, conquered Sharmana. They weren't too friendly with their ancestors, but they were still Yidin, and they were also a buffer zone, and now they're all gone. And gone, we don't know where they went, we don't know when they're coming back, and this is all the discussion of the day. Understand the mindset of Klai Yisrael, and they're looking north, and he's coming. And it's going to be more the same, and it's all over. Which is what Acha started understanding, or misunderstanding, but he thought he understood, that why bother? Why bother with terror mitzvahs, or why take up an anisim of It's just going to prolong the agony. It's all over anyway. Now, lest you think that that's such a ridiculous position, what we're sitting at 2,000 years later, don't they know that Shem promised us we're going to be here and we're always here? The answer is yes. In the year 2017, the Mitzparam, that's a luxury of 2020 hindsight. After the Holocaust, there were many Jews who thought like that. Many Jews who thought like that. Many of them moved to Arba Kanfas Aretz and just hid the fact they were Jewish and just ignored the whole thing and just uh, laid down to rest and hope everybody disappears. How can they think like that? Isn't it, uh, look what Hashem did for us in the last 50 years. It's, it's one of the biggest nisim in the history of Klai So, Lamaisa, right after the Muhammad, that's hard to see. And here, they're in the middle of the Muhammad. They saw what happened to Sassar Shvatim. And Chizkiah is going to have to stand up and not only disagree with all that, with his note of optimism, but force the issue. Now you understand. What do you have to force Yidin to come tonight, say Just put up some posters. Answer is, nobody was in the mood. Like it was, everybody was so depressed. And on paper, it looked so bad. I was around, barely. But we spoke about this a number of times. But it's so important. This part of the Maila of Jewish history, forget ancient history. Ancient history, you learn Novi, you'll understand the context of what was going on. And uh, you learn the Rishenim and you, uh, you have the Tanesim, you'll get a sense of what's going on. Whatever end of the political spectrum you're on, the result of the Six-Day War was a hotly debated issue between the Satmarov and others. To what extent there were Nisim, most held there were Nisim, Kaluyim, he held uh, not so. The, I think, more important focus, or just as important, is understanding the pachat and the fear. I don't know this firsthand. Matter of fact, um, almost nobody here does. My shver would tell me, my parents told me the same thing. He said, uh, it was an interesting conversation with my uh, shver because he, uh, I wondered where my sister-in-law got her name from. Not important, the family members keep complaining that they be, keep becoming famous and then it goes on the radio in Lakewood in New York. And they, uh, so well, whatever, but, uh, the context is it's a fine name, but it's, it's uh, a bit unusual, it's not the regular Rocha Rif Galea. And uh, my share is a very yeshivish person, Talmud of Aaron. So I, I asked him, what, uh, you know, where, where'd that come from? It wasn't named after anybody. So um, he told me, he says, the pachad that was completely pervasive on the eve of the Six-Day War, if you weren't there, you wouldn't believe it. They thought it was, the world jury thought it was absolutely all over. 
they were digging trenches and getting body bags and all over, uh, taking over parks in Tel Aviv. And it wasn't just like that in Israel. The people in New York, uh, the Jews here in America, uh, they, were, they were going to meet uh, Galochim and senators and congressmen. They, everybody thought it was all over. So Baruch Hashem, it wasn't. But it was the mood that they had, that they felt after the Holocaust, where you have to have new respect for your grandparents, the Yechidim who picked themselves up, brushed themselves off, and started life anew like nothing happened, were giberm of the highest order. We take it for granted. Yeah, you come after the war, you settle here, you, you go into the shmata business, into diamonds, you make a lot of money, you buy some real estate, and have kids, and build yeshivas. Simple prescription, why not? <laughs> we don't understand how getting up in the morning was the Maile Medeir HaTeva. How do you wake up to face another day after something like that? So Chizkiah here is talking to people and pushing an agenda over here, and he's talking about learning and revamping the, the base medrash and night seder and yeshiva and everything. And thing like, we're about to be invaded. We just lost ninety percent of our people. We have no army. We're one chevet. We're um, a city that uh, has a wall, but that'll last. Shaman also had a wall. It took him Asher three years to conquer it, and he conquered it. They said, like, what are you thinking? And they said, uh, in terms of politics, your father was more correct. Just give up. So you have to understand, the godless over here is that he refused to give up, and he understood this has nothing to do with wars and walls, and invading armies is all to do with our performance. That's the introduction over here and the context that we have to understand uh, how Klai Yisrael uh, ticks, what keeps us going. So with that introduction, let's see who he was, Pasuk Bez. Quite a long reign, Baruch Hashem. Shemima Avi Bas Zacharya. Interesting name for a queen, for a lady, for that matter. She was obviously a Heiligat Sadekis. Remember, she's the one who um, smeared him with this salamander oil that saved him from the burning fires of the Moloch. I mean, already growing up like that, you wonder how he functioned. Sure, he remembered that. He wasn't an infant. That's already pretty traumatic, and we would uh, have... Um, uh, what's the post-traumatic uh, uh, stress symbol? You know, we, we would have... Uh, I'm not saying these Rashi Tevas don't exist, and they see people coming back from wars, Leolena, and things like that, but again, to our grandparents and great-grandparents or parents, what happened to all these Rashi Tevas? How'd they get up in the morning and rebuild? answer is, if you have to do it, you have to do it. Even though the reaction should have been um, total uh, shutdown. So here we have a young man who was almost killed by his father in an Avodah ceremony. I mean, you couldn't... And he comes out the strongest, most powerful, committed, dedicated, even-keeled, thought-through king we ever had. Maybe that's, maybe that's what helped to form him, that he... So that's, that's exactly the point, is that where... I'm not necessarily starting up, you know, therapy has its place, but the danger of... Call pampering too much and too many Rashi Tevis is we're, we're so concerned, the Santa's overly concerned that you went through something, it must be, you know, we got to treat it and we got to treat you delicately and uh, with, 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 with gloves. And uh, we're so busy, worried about everybody falling apart, we don't realize that, yes, that there's a danger there. And the opposite end of the spectrum is the crucible that we're looking at is what makes great people. That's per our, we're in the middle of the Peleyates, which we'll get back to. He's talking about Bachram growing up and young ladies. And 
What I mentioned yesterday is we're so nervous about putting too much pressure, uh, not realizing that's a concern, depending on the child, depending on the situation, but you bend the tree too far in the other direction, then we have a lot of pampered people growing up and they never have any pressure. That's great. And they never accomplish what they could accomplish because they never felt the pressure. So, it's like, there's got to be more of a middle ground because you can't, it's not even a religious, not a from hashkafa, it's life. You know, sending people to, uh, I'm not saying you should, but if you want to go to university, that it's a little bit harder. Harvard, you got to study a little bit. I, I was told by people in a different city that you could party most of the time and cram at the end if you're smart enough, but uh, you agree. What? <laughs> Plenty of time to party. But I'm just picking, it's supposed to be, I mean, they're charging enough, it's supposed to be a hard uh, set of courses. So you can say, wow, we don't want to put too much pressure, we don't want to, what do you mean? <laughs> no pain, no gain. You want, to, you want to perform, so you need pressure. So you say, well, it's not for everybody, and it's not, you got to be careful. I, I'm, I get that. So, as I mentioned in last week's Pelier, it's, it's always the point where you feel like maybe you can't handle it anymore. That's the point where you've got to be more careful, but not where you're relaxing too much, because this is what creates great people. And you don't have to be chitzki or to go through that. Every child has to grow up with that balance, and it's sometimes been too much the other way. Yes, it's man kriya shema. Don't want to put too much pressure, but this mind is coming. So, uh, <laughs> I've had this conversation with many Bachram. I said, you know, the Mughal of Ram, the Safik you can go like the Gain, that's fine. Do everything like the Gain in life, you'll be fine. I'm talking about Shema. And they say, yeah, even the Gain, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure. You want to roll out of bed uh, at 9.15, it's a lot of pressure. But there's life about learning how to get up early and, uh, and have Zmanim and have. Um, there are people who gravitate. Says, I don't know, I know people that have no Zman, the Lamaylam and Zman. It looks so much nicer. It's just the wrong religion, that's all. I'm not attacking any, any particular uh, group of the religion. Everybody has manam. I was what those manam are. But uh, I was just in square, and he was, a uh, guy came over to me, had a fascinating discussion. He wanted to know what the Shittas Agro was on certain Inyanim, and uh, he saw me, and he ran over to me. He figured, I must know I've ever been in the room. <laughs> so it was just an interesting conversation. So I was uh, telling him about uh, the Shittas Agro on Tzitzis. Do you have to wear Tzitzis past the knees because there has to be a shear of what the cut would go out with. And Shaila is why that's not correct if it's not correct. We were wearing much uh, small this. We got it to Titsis and we're talking about wearing Titsis out. So he, it's just an interesting cultural thing. He said, uh, he said, I understand. How can you not wear your Titsis out? So I'm looking at him. I said, You're asking that question because your begot is out. So of course you can't wear. See, so I don't say you, you put it in and then have to take it out. Like he's trying to understand. So I said, Actually, you know, the minig was in Europe uh, for many years that it was just completely in. He looked kind of shocked. I said, no, we, we brought it back, and the Chavetz Chaim was really pushing, taking them out. He said, you have to, like, take them out? So I explained, had to explain that, no, yeah, it's under the shirt, so you got to put it in. So we got into a whole discussion about uh, different Hagim, Litvaks, Chassidim, and, and uh, when it came to the Zmanim, it always gets there within three minutes. Uh, so he said, no, we have Zmanim over here. It's just, it's, it's, it's uh, Shav, Shavas, they, have a, they do have Zman Tfilah. It's just a little bit later. But they have, um, they have Zmanim. He's very quick to point it out. He, he, we were standing and he showed me in the wall. He said, see that? Said, that settle says there's Zman It did. It's just different Zman than Azman. But he said, we have, uh, we have Zmanim. So we're not here to attack uh, any particular Zman. It's just that the fact that we have Zmanim, we have systems, uh, if that's too much pressure, that's a problem already. Because that means we're, we bent the tree too far in the other direction. Yes, I saw a hand somewhere. The Basakaria, is that the 
back in Lucian to the Sicario that was murdered in the Yazar? Um, is that why they're telling us who, who, why, you know? Often they put in the mother's name because there are so many wives. So I don't know if you need to be Metaritz. I wonder if there's a connection. But, um, well, they have to, uh, I mean, sometimes just put her name, yeah? Interesting. Could, could be a connection. But it's not uncommon that they actually put in the queen's name because there were many uh, wives, as there should be. The king is allowed a cap of 18, a commoner can have more, which was extremely uncommon, but they usually filled up everything that they were allowed because they had the money and the ability to do it, and they were growing the, uh, the malchus, so you have to identify. And they had to build their own personal army. Yes, their own green berets, that's correct. Gimel. Hashem. Isn't that refreshing? You can't get a better askama than that. Yasa Yasher, not only that, but Cholasha also David Aviv. Now, is he as great as David? No one is David, but this is as good as you get in a description of a descendant of David Amelach. Finally, we've been waiting many years here in Muncie and many, many, many decades in Eretz Yisrael then to finally get rid of the Bumas, which, as I explained many times, the last time we get to explain it. Uh, people had tremendous resistance because this had sentimental value, it had religious value, and they said, uh, we're not bringing sacrifice, just don't destroy them. My great-grandfather brought Kabbalists on them, Meheter. At this point, great-great-great-grandfather. There was always tremendous resistance, and at this point, he said, it's a kind of the of the well, we got to really turn this around, and he didn't care. Now, Chizkiyo, which we will study in depth in Mesa Shem, met with a lot of resistance. I shouldn't uh, lead you to think that, yeah, he decided, so kind of stuff, he's going to fix this up, and everybody said, yes, sir, went to the best manager, he didn't even need the guy in the back. All his decisions will be cutting edge. The Mishnah in Pesachim, which we will go through, says he had six famous landmark decisions, three of them, three out of six, even after he made them, the Chum didn't agree, which is fine, because Chizkiyo was so from that after the Chacham didn't agree with the three of them, he would back down. The decisions were made already, but he, there was no machlekes between the king and the Chachamim. And the other three met the tremendous amount of resistance, and the Chachamim ended up agreeing. That's the process over here, and we'll get to all of them. Over here, anybody was from, did agree. The people who didn't want it destroyed all the years certainly didn't. Shebra es ha-matzevis v'karis es ha-sheira. Yeah, is a totem pole, that's all. Obviously, a Kitas That was very, very hotly contested. This did not make him popular. The good news is he wasn't running a popularity contest, as no leader should if he's trying to get things done. And he took probably the oldest, I'll use the word artifact, that's not a great word, that existed in Klai Yisrael, handmade by Meshur Abenu himself. He took it, and he ground it up. And after he finished, it was no more. Can you imagine the riding of the street? Good news is they didn't have riding in the street because he was king, and what he said went. Yaakov, we had a discussion in the car last night about trying to bring back the, uh, <laughs> some semblance of following orders. So um, Yaakov was following orders. We were driving home. He was going in the right direction. It was the uh, discussion about uh, part of what we discussed yesterday, which... Um, We'll probably get back to uh, coming Shabbosim. This was not very popular at all, and uh, we'll, do, we'll do further justice to it. We're going to be out of time. As a matter of fact, uh, remind me what the Pasuk Dalit will go to Peliades now, and we'll continue uh, Mitzvah Shem next Sunday. I won't be here for Shabbos, but I hope to have the Shir on Sunday. Let's go to the Peliades.
We're in page Ayin in the entry of Bachar, which, as I said, applies to Bacharim, young women, adults, certainly parents who are trying to train the Bacharim. Page Ayin, second paragraph. Hinei kichain bachur yechamed ha'iskim b'terim. Segway from what we were just talking about, where to bend the tree, where to make allowances for our weaker generation, and where not to bend it too far. I uh, mentioned yesterday, uh, I found out there were some institutions of learning, uh, not our yeshivas and Muncie, but uh, places that are called yeshivas, they gave off on Thanksgiving the whole day. I don't get how you can have such a matzah. You want to give off English, teachers aren't coming in, okay, it's no bus service, you have carpool, give off the whole day. Why? Even if your parents are going to a Thanksgiving dinner, even if they're being maker like those shittas, what are you giving off in the morning for? The dinner's in the evening. Done, give off Thanksgiving. Shulchan Aruch, it's clear from the Gemara, they had yeshiva every day, including Shabbos. Tell that to anybody today. Shabbos? Uh, we're still struggling with Friday and Sunday. Sunday, Mamish. Uh, there was uh, somebody, Flappish, used to complain every time we had a legal holiday. He complained about Sunday also, and he was right. I just said, uh, I'm much too much for Makel, so I'm not changing it. He said, why do we have uh, davening at 8 o'clock? You should see, the Shul's of Muncie had davening at 9.30, 9.35. I said, what's the problem? It's in his mind. He said, we're recognizing the Gaisha holiday. We should have davening at 6.45 or 7 like we do every day. I said, interesting, but we're not changing it. People are getting up later and they hopefully will be more rested and they'll learn. But he's not wrong. Like, why recognize it? Certainly Sunday. Sunday is a Gaisha holiday from those who practice Shutras, maybe. So why are we... Uh, from people, labeling it. That's a good point. Lamaisa, I don't think we're changing that. But to um, the whole system we have, it's getting better. The yeshivas now have yeshiva longer on Sunday. But in the early days of building yeshivas in this country, in the 50s, 40s, and 50s, and 60s, they didn't have any yeshiva on Sunday. No one was home. No one was interested. So we're working our way through, and it's getting longer and longer, as it should be. Why should there be? There's no English already is a hotly debated issue. How much English should there be? And the yeshivas in Europe didn't have any, and uh, there were many gedolim who were against it over here. Okay, so the pshar was made that the parents aren't going to send in the 50s and 60s. You got to have something. Okay, fine. There's no English on Sunday, so that should be a day where we're learning the entire day. And even some very fine yeshivas get out earlier. Why? The answer is well, they don't know what to do with them, and they're too young. Okay, best measure taka stays all day in that regular second seder, which is the way it should be. So we're still adjusting even to that because he started off at this level because when you build the yeshivas, you got to have somebody coming. And Baruch Hashem, it is getting better. The point of all the gemaras and shulchan aruch and the peleyets is dafka when you're young, that's where everything you put into your head stays, and it's gears of diaktasa, and it's the best time to learn, free of any obligations in Panasa and any other Achrayas, and every minute is precious. Which, again, you got to know who you're dealing with, you got to live in this world also, and you know what you're up against, so we can't just go from zero to 60 and say, okay, it's Sunday, you're home now, they'll let you out of yeshiva, come learn for seven hours. It's just not going to work. You have to know who you're dealing with, you got to know what the incentives are. And um, I remember my uh, father, uh, if there was any part of a later Sunday afternoon, I was always, I always wondered why uh, I was different. Of course, I thank him now. But uh, he came home, and it was a Dover Pashit. Um, you just got out from Yeshiva, and we just learned for seven hours. And uh, we're going to learn now. The question is, uh, how many hours, and what are we going to do for the cause? So at uh, 
12 years old or 13 years old, that was difficult. So then you mix in. We'll play a little basketball in between. He was very good, by the way. Sometimes he let me win. He was just as tall as I was then. I ultimately outgrew that. But uh, so you got to have some bakshish and you got to have some shalabishma. Uh, <laughs> the games were close. I couldn't foul him. I don't know what age. I realized that probably too late. But that's uh, a shayla of, uh, you know, chavola. We'll get back to that at Night Seder and he'll keep it up. So you got to have a mix. So there's a, little, there's a break and there's, we'll make it interesting. We'll make it fun. But uh, don't think you're taking the rest of the afternoon and the evening off. That was push it. So you got to figure out what works for your child. Uh, just make sure he understands that there's always something a little bit extra that has to be done. And you got to know what age that's going to work. And you got to know your child. And you got to know um, who his friends are. You got to know what he's up against. There's a lot in the mix. But it has to be in the program. on your time. Try not to lose a moment. The Isru Chayel Lias Yegeim Batera Bechol Chachacham. As we mentioned, the time is precious, and make sure you uh, try to get your uh, focus on it, which is very hard. There's a lot of ways you can waste your time. With all your strength, Ki Alzeh Hazman Nemar Yagatav Lamatzasa Altam. And he says, the famous Mishnah that says, a person says, I tried and I didn't find my success in learning, don't believe him. Certainly don't believe him if he tried very hard, and certainly don't believe him if he tried very hard as a child, because the child has a natural thirst for knowledge, and it sticks better. Certainly, every moment in life is important. And every moment you lose is a pseid It's time that never comes back. But youth is the pinnacle of these man that can be used in the best possible way, Kamaima Rabbi Sainazal, Yankusa Kalila Devarda, which is the Taichas, Yankus is the Kesa, the Veritas, the best part of the rose. As we said yesterday, the youth is wasted on the young. Uh, his point is it shouldn't be wasted. Roy Lochus Allah, you should have Rahmanas. Interesting word he keeps using. Have Rahmanas, this is like you're going to regret it. Lochus Allah, and again. The counterbalance over here is you've got to know the age, you've got to know it's age appropriate, and you've got to know this man, you've got to know the kid, and he has to have time to play, and the younger they are, they've got to have time to play in, in, in a physical way to get their only mile of the sports, not following it or watching it, because then you have the princess issue and the uh, huge uh, bitl terror that entails following it for hours and hours, but playing it, certainly in the Litvish alum, it's still played. Playing it is a way to get exercise, the way to get fresh air, and the way to get... Uh, your natural aggressions out. So to a degree, we still do it because that's necessary certainly for younger children. So you need the break. Question here we're debating is how long, how much is really needed, and how can you up the ante with the proper uh, bribery, well, upping the ante in terms of the bakshish, in terms of getting them interested in mitesh and I think, speaking to parents here, it's underutilized. I tell this to parents, it's like I'm reinventing the wheel. This is pushing. That every kid has its price. Try to what that price is. Cash, toys, trips, time together with the parent, basketball, whatever it is. Everybody has their price. It's not being utilized enough. So that, nah, I want to learn the Shema. My kid's going to be at Tzaddik. He just got to get there. I'm sure he'll be at Tzaddik. But in order to get there, you have to use the Shalom, the Shema part. And it's not being used enough. On that positive note, Mr. Shem will continue next week.